Thank you, Janine. If you can't tell, she doesn't enjoy doing that. There's a lot to go over today. Everyone remember everything that's going on this week? Go to our website if you don't remember. Um, there's all, all kinds of good stuff going on. And I, I love that this is the year of family and we get to do things together, not just come together on Sunday mornings, but that we have activities. We have things going on on our campus, outside, and I love that. Um, I love that last Sunday, to me, there was so much health of Pastor Greg um, stepping down and resigning as an official pastor, but he's not leaving the church. I love that there's just so much health and what God is doing in our church. And um, this morning, we get to do another kind of fun thing that's kind of family-oriented. Um, for the last three weeks on Sunday nights, um, we've had people joining a new members class that want to join the church. So if you join that class and you want to become a member, would you get on up here? And hopefully I gave some of you name tags. I think, Josh, I got yours right here. Um, anybody else that I didn't give a name tag, I'll give you one when you get up here. Um, but these are, these are people that came the last several weeks. Come on up here. And they like you so much, they want to be part of your family. Um, good news is you didn't scare them off. You didn't scare them away. And actually, you want to hear a really cool thing? I heard in the very first class that I thought that I was pretty strange and weird, and we do weird things here at Osborne, but I heard I'm very normal. That's what I heard. I'm, I'm normal. So that was my takeaway from the class. Um, so yeah, come on, come on, come on. So good. Does everyone have a name tag? Yes, no? Good. Oh, name tag. I didn't write it in there, so you got to put your own name in there. But this is, oh, Sarah. There you go. Right, Sarah. I think most of you guys know these people already, but I just wanted to put a name tag because they get stuck wearing it because it's kind of identifying that they're a new member today um, and moving forward. And then you guys get to love on them, bless them, um, do good things for them. Uh, so I just wanted to make sure it was kind of official that you guys were able to see where she is. Um, Who's joining our church, right? We have Greg stepping down, but we got all this family joining us. And it's so good. So healthy, so good. Um, I could spend the whole rest of the service with them up here and having the, a microphone and having them tell their testimonies. But can I tell you, when we had our class and I just had them share really quick who they are and why they're here at Osborne, what brought them, what's a memory, I was like, I was overwhelmed as a pastor of all the God things that God has done in their lives and really through you guys to them, that they love this church body and they want to be a part of it. And so I just thank God for a healthy family. To me, that was something that um, I don't want to go a lot of the past, but when I became lead pastor over 10 years ago, there was stuff that was just we were going through as a church. And I just, that was my prayers. God, I just want to be healthy. I want our family to be healthy. And I just, I see this as fruit of God's faithfulness fruit of God's goodness that you guys are part of the family. We, as we're all looking at you, we welcome you. We love you guys. We're excited that you want to be a part of us and we are gonna pour into you and invest in you. And you guys, I know, are willing to serve. A lot of you guys are already serving in lots of ways. Um, and so it's so good. And so um, I'm gonna pray just a, a blessing, but would you, before, because I know sometimes people say, stretch out a hand and then the pastor talks for a long time. So don't stretch out a hand yet. In a second, stretch out your hand. Um, in a second, stretch out your hand. But I want you to just to join me in praying and I'm gonna do it this way. I, I know for sake of time, I could have a whole bunch of leaders come up here and we'd probably give, if I do that, we're gonna get all kinds of prophetic words and we'll be praying forever because Sandy likes to pray for Lily Tong. She says, I pray long, she prays long. I'm blaming Sandy. Um, either, but things happen, things happen. And so I'm gonna encourage you, rather than it being a whole bunch of taking up the time to give all these public prophetic words, would you get a prophetic word for God, from, the, for, from God for them, and give it to them before they leave. Before you leave church today, if you're feeling like God is saying something, go give it to them. 
I, because I believe God is saying something through you, through us as a church to bless them. So would you stretch out a hand as we pray over them? And if God gives you something, make sure write it down and do your job to give it to them. So God, we just thank you for this family. God, we thank you that they are part of us. We thank you that we have a joy of bringing them in. God, that they bring life. They're bringing something to us, God, that we need. They're not just coming here because they need something from us. God, we need them. And so I just pray that they would sense and know that this is where their roots are to go down deep, Lord God, that they are to feel your love here in a powerful way. They are to be accepted and wanted and honored and valued. And I pray that they sense that and know that without a shadow of a doubt, God. There'd be no confusion. The enemy would not be able to steal, kill, or destroy the things you have already done and the things you are creating inside of them and really through us as a church body because of them, Lord God. So I just thank you, God. Would today be a day where we are knit together, we are unified, God, that we are joined together and that kind of like what I say in a marriage ceremony, what God has brought together, let no man separate, God. May this be a covenantal of friendship and partnership, God, that we are, we are choosing to love each other in good times, in bad times, in sickness and in health, God, that we are for each other, God. So we make this a public declaration, God. Just as baptism is a public declaration, God, this, this Sunday morning as a membership um, declaration, God, is, it's, it's a covenant, God. It's a public declaration that we are choosing to partner together and love each other in all times, God. And so I just pray your blessing, your provision, your protection, and your grace to be over each one of these people in Jesus' mighty name. Amen, amen, amen. Love you guys. So good, so good. Pastor, thank you. <laughs> yes. Oh, group picture. Is, someone wants a group picture? Did you get it already? Oh, get in here. You want them tighter? You want them tighter somehow. So make a back row. Tall people go to the back. Short people like me to the front. Closer, closer, he says. Closer, closer. Oh, I'm getting in on there. I'm getting in on there. <laughs> Thank you. All right. So good. Thank you, guys. <laughs> ah, so good. So fun. Well, it's 1130, and I'm supposed to preach in like 10 minutes because I want to do communion at the end. So we're going to see what God's got. Um, but if I had to title this morning what's on my heart, I guess. I don't know if it's a title for a sermon or not. We'll see what it ends up being. But what's on my heart is that we're joined together as a body. If I were to title this morning, joined together, perfectly joined together as a body. And I got that from a verse that I was reading uh, over the last couple of weeks. And you can turn there. We're going to look at 1 Corinthians a lot. So if you have a Bible, you can open up your Bible or grab a Bible. I'll have it on the screen behind me as well. Um, but we're going to jump and just read some scripture. And the first one we're going to read is 1 Corinthians 1.10. And it says this. I think it's New King James. I'm going to read it in New American Standard while you're reading New King James. But... Here it goes. Now I urge you, brothers and sisters, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all agree and there be no divisions among you, but that you be made complete in the same mind and in the same purpose. When I read this, I felt like the Lord, you know, sometimes when you read scripture, you're just reading because you're supposed to. And other times something highlights and jumps out. You're like, oh my gosh, that is totally from God. And I felt like for this morning, this idea that we are of the same mind, same purpose, but I like the New King James where it says, perfectly joined together. Perfectly joined together. This is what God wants to do. Um, let me read to you some other words in different translations they say. Be made complete was what I read in New American Standard. Um, New Living Translation just says the word united. 
the message, you know it's going to be longer there. It says this, get along, be considerate, cultivate a life in common. The Passion Translation, another longer one. Be fully equipped as one body living in perfect harmony. This is what God has called us to be and to do when we come together that we are perfectly joined together, that we are in harmony, that we're fitted together. In fact, the Greek word, I looked it up, the Greek word, I'll probably butcher it, but it's, it's is katarizo, and it says this, the Strong's um, definition says this, to arrange, set in order, equip, adjust, complete, make fully ready, prepare. It's used all throughout the New Testament. For some examples is when the disciples were mending their nets, that's katarizo, they were completing their nets or they were arranging them in a way that they would have no, more, no holes, no gaps, that they were perfect nets for catching fish, right? So that same word um, brought together, right? Made complete their nets from being mended. In Hebrews 11.3, it, it uses the same word. It says, by faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. Amen. By faith, we believe that God spoke this world into existence. But it says that that word framed, he framed the world. It says through wisdom, he laid the foundations of the earth. Through wisdom, God is knitting us together as a body. Through wisdom, God chose throughout the entire population. Was there 7 billion people? How many billion people are on the face of the planet right now? A lot. God chose for you to be living in Los Angeles County and to be coming to Osborne Neighborhood Church. And maybe you're visiting today. He chose for you to be with us today. He orchestrates, he arranges things, he completes things. He's this God who frames, like if you're a framer, you put up the structure and then you put things on top of it. He frames things. He, he has design in what he's doing. You could have been anywhere today, but you're here today. You could have been alive in any point in human history, in the past or in the future, but you're alive today. God has an intention and a reason for that because you are what is needed in the body of Christ for today. You are here for a reason. And I, I'm gonna jump ahead of myself a little bit. We're gonna do communion in a little bit and I'm not gonna lead the whole thing and you just hold the elements to yourself and just listen to one person. I'm gonna scare you now. Every single one of you in this room, you're gonna lead someone else in communion. You might be an introvert, like I was most of my life, and that might scare you. And you're like, I don't know what to say. I'm gonna give you some things to say. Don't worry, I'm gonna get you there. But the idea is you're here today, not just for yourself. You're here today because you make something complete. Without you, we're not complete. See, I, I saw this, I don't know, years ago. I think it was in a marriage thing. It says um, the husband, it's like a triangle because I don't have a thing, but can you picture it with me? I'm bad at drawing. But here's God at top. Here's me. Here's you. Husband, wife, what do you want to do? As we get closer to God, we're both getting closer to each other. I thought, that's beautiful. That's true. But I wish it was that simple. All I have to do is work on my relationship with God, and I would be perfectly related to everyone else around me. But the reality is, Jesus sums up all the Old Testament with two commands, not one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength. Hopefully that would be enough. But the reality is he commands us to do something that doesn't come easy. Love your neighbor as much as you love yourself. There's something about where we have to work to join ourselves together. God's word is saying, be joined together, be made complete. That's God's desire. God wants to connect you. He wants to, as we're early morning prayer, right? Claudine's doing walk for life. So automatically what comes to her mind is how the Lord knits us together in our mother's womb, right? An infant 
has no say so in the matter. God is doing a miracle inside of that mom's womb and just knitting together that baby into a human being. But the reality is that baby doesn't have a decision, but we as the body of Christ, we have a decision. We as the bride of Christ, we have a decision. We can choose to be woven together or not. We can choose to be that redwood forest that has all the roots intermingled and is healthy and is drawing strength from each other, or we can choose to be a lone wolf. You can get to heaven without anybody else in the room. It's possible. You can get to heaven. But again, my goal is not to get you to heaven. My goal is for us to bring the kingdom of God here on earth as it is in heaven. And God is saying his kingdom is a way where we are a kingdom people, where we are together, where we need each other. I know in, in human history, there's people that were monks and they, they went off on their own and they just tried to get close to God all on their own. And that's great. Maybe God called them that for a season, but that is never God's intention for the body of Christ, for the bride of Christ. His intention, if you read scripture, there's a whole lot of one another's. In fact, I remember several years ago on Wednesday nights, we just went for several weeks on all the one another verses how we are to prefer one another, how we're to be compassionate and tenderhearted towards one another. There's a command that we have to work at our love for one another. But I'm saying this because it's both a command and it's also, I sense right now what God is doing. We are in a, can I say it's another Greek word, epoch, like epic season. We are in a season, a time, not a chronos. There's chronos, which is like time, like a timeline. But epoch is like, it's the season for something. We are in a season where God is wanting to bind us together. He's wanting to put us together. The word for this year, for this church, is family. And can I tell you, I, I bet there's not one person in this room that has a perfect family. That doesn't have some cousin that believes some, I don't know, different doctrine than you or different, I don't know, politics than you, right? Things that it's hard to get along with someone in your biological family. I think we've all got that. But the reality is, you're still family. The reality is, in this local church, there's going to be things that we don't all 100% agree on. But the reality is we have to learn how to be affectionate towards one another. In fact, I'm going to read a quote from Matthew Henry. I like Matthew Henry. He writes a lot of commentary in the Bible from several hundred years ago. And I, I love this. He said this about 1 Corinthians 1.10. Be perfectly joined together in the same mind as far as you can. In the great things of religion, be of one mind. But when there is not a unity, a unity of sentiment... Let there be a union of affections. Oh, that's so good. Let there be a union of affections. I'll come back to that. Let me say the last sentence. The consideration of being agreed in greater things should extinguish all feuds and divisions about minor ones. If I'm in love with Jesus and you're in love with Jesus, man, we can be united. There might be things that we don't agree on, tithing or speaking in tongues or all these other things that to me, they matter in the body of Christ but I can still be united with you even if you don't agree with me on these other things that aren't as important as who Jesus is. I, I'll be careful. I, I've, I've met with lots of people in the body of Christ over my 40 some odd years of being on this planet. And I get it. I, this last three Sundays, I want to be clear of who we are as a church. I don't want to hide or misrepresent that we're a full gospel church, that we believe in speaking in tongues, that we believe in all the gifts, that we're going after all those things. I, I, I don't want to hide that. But at the same time, I don't want to be offensive either. I have no problem partnering with a church that doesn't agree with me as long as they are affectionate for Jesus. They're in love with Jesus. Can I give you an example? Uh, John Piper. I love John Piper. That man is in love with Jesus. If, we went, if I met with him and we went down the line doctrinally, we probably don't agree on everything. 
I don't care. I love that man because he loves Jesus. He's so in love with Jesus. And when he's in love with Jesus, he says things. I'm like, oh, that is so good. I agree with that. I can partner with that, right? I, I've quoted John Piper, right? I, I love one of his statements. God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. That's such a profound and true statement. When I find all my satisfaction in Jesus, the things this world don't satisfy me, but oh man, Jesus does. He actually is glorified in that. That's how he gets most glory is when I'm just enthralled with him. When I'm just so affectionate towards Jesus, he gets glorified. So I'm just telling you, this is, this is my pastor's heart. Um, <laughs> I was thinking about this. I think it's the, it's the preamble to the Constitution. We, the people of the United States of America, in order to perform in order to form a more perfect union. Is that what it says? That's my heart. I want to form a more perfect union. I'm not perfect and I've got things to work on. I want to be quick to admit it. I don't want to just be, hmm. Paul says he can be all things to all people. There's truth in that. I want to learn how to connect with you and, and be what you need. At the same time, I don't want to compromise who God's called me to be. I don't want to be so wishy-washy that I just, my values and everything just shift with, this, with the wind. No, I want to clarify, this is who I am. I'm, I'm unashamed. I'm unapologetic. This is who I am. At the same time, I'm in love with Jesus and I'm in love with you. And I can get over these other issues because I'm just so in love with you and I want you to be as much in love with Jesus as I am. Is that making some sense? Let me read some more verses because I think I'm, I'm talking too much. I love, really quick, I'm going to skip over some of these things. Um, Jesus says in Matthew, a house divided can't stand, which means a house joined together can stand the test of time. A house joined together can stand against the winds and the waves. A house that stands together, like in Ephesians, can stand against the wiles of the devil, the darts. There's things that because we are united, because we are united in our love for Jesus, and we're, we can be perfectly joined together. We can be mature. That word perfect, if you read in the New Testament, it can be translated mature. I want to be so mature in my joining in connection with you. I don't want it to be frivolous, just surface level connections. I want to figure out how to go deep with you guys. I thank God there's people that are willing to become members of this church so we can go deeper, so they can get connected, they can do things. It's all healthy. Let me read to you kind of one of the most famous passages in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And I'm just going to read it to you in the message because um, sometimes I get a different perspective when I read how Eugene Peterson wrote this. And so he says this in 1 Corinthians 12, 12. It says this. I think I have it. Yeah. It says, you can easily enough see how this kind of thing works by looking no further than your own body. Your body has many parts, limbs, organs, cells, but no matter how many parts you can, you can name or come up with, you're still one body. It's exactly the same with Christ. By means of his one spirit, we all said goodbye to our partial and piecemeal lives. We each used to independently call our own shots, but then we entered into a large and integrated life in which he has the final say in everything. This is what we proclaimed in word and action when we were baptized. Each of us is now a part of his resurrection body. I love that. I'm going to say it again. Each of us is now a part of his resurrection body refreshed and sustained at one fountain, his spirit, where we all come to drink. The old labels we once used to identify ourselves, labels like Jew or Greek, slave or free, are no longer useful. We need something larger, more comprehensive. 
I want you to think about how all this makes you more significant, not less. A body isn't just a single part blown up into something huge. It's all the different but similar parts arranged and functioning together. You are a part of the body. Can I say it this way? Ryan is not the bride of Christ. I am part of the bride of Christ. There's things that, that I, it sounds arrogant, there's things that I supply to this body that are needed. Can I say it this way? You need me in your body. But can I say it the same way? I need you in my body. Can I say it this way? You see Ryan, you see my physical skin. But the most vital parts of my physical body, you can't see. My heart, you can't see inside my heart. That organ is the most vital thing in my body, and you can't see it. There's things I just want you to know. There's people that have a platform ministry and that get publicly recognized. But can I tell you, there's people that are actually probably more vital in this church that you don't even see. I could spend the next half hour going through different people. I Really quick, I wasn't going to do it, but I'll do, just right now I'm going to do this. I was bragging with other pastors that came onto our campus this last week. And I was saying, oh man, every church and every pastor would dream to have an Uncle Bert. Could you imagine? I mean, the guy does anything you ask him to do. I asked him on Friday, I'm like, hey, I'm gonna go help another pastor move. Can you help me for a couple hours? And it being from one o'clock to 10 p.m., Bert is just working his tailbone off, moving this other pastor. Would they even finish? And so he finishes the next day on his own. He starts finishing and doing more things. He's the epitome of a servant. He is vital to what God does in this church body. I go down the list. Claudine, I know she, you kind of see her every once in a while. She works here for free. Who retires from making a really good income to go work at the church for free and run all the business? Every pastor would dream for Claudine. I could just keep going down the line. People are probably more vital than me just being up front blowing hot air. There are people that are vital in this body and I'm telling you, you're vital. And you might think, well, I'm not visible. Doesn't mean you're not vital. All right, one more verse. Hebrews 10, 24 says this. And let us consider one another to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching, before Jesus returns. We should all the more just be hungry to be together, not because we just get something out of it, but this is what I kind of had an exhortation to the new members that you're shifting from being a visitor and just receiving to someone who, when you come to church, you better have something ready to give away. It's not just the pastor's job to come to church to have something to give away. If you're a member of the body, when we get together, you should already be thinking and praying about, oh man, when I come to church next week, I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna see this person, I'm gonna have this prophetic word for him, I'm gonna bless them this way, I'm gonna find something to do to give away, right? Jesus says, it's more blessed to give than to receive. There's things that my body parts, it needs things from other body parts. But I want to learn how to give things away. I want to learn how to supply what every joint needs. I want to learn how to give things away. I want us as a church body. Can I tell you that's what makes a church body healthy? <laughs> if you're looking for a perfect church, right? You'll never find one. You've heard all that context. But if you're looking to church and you come every Sunday because you're needy, 
Can I tell you, you'll find things in this church body that aren't done perfectly. And it'll start to bother you. And then you recognize more things that aren't done perfectly. And you recognize more things that aren't done perfectly. And then you won't like this church body and you'll leave. Just giving you honest feedback. But if you come to this church and you're like, oh, I have this to give. I, I want to serve this way. I'm coming to give something. You're not so focused on all the things we lack. And actually you're contributing. And now someone else is contributing. And now we become this healthy, vital church that's full of life. Because everyone is coming to bring something. So I want to tie it in to communion. I love, man, we're in 1 Corinthians. We'll stay there. 1 Corinthians 11, Paul's kind of recounting how to take communion. And he says this in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty three, 23. For I received from the Lord that which I delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night which he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after the supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. I've heard this verse almost every Sunday for communion, right? I've heard this a thousand times. But what I want to highlight this morning is two things, actually. Two things I want to highlight. I love that Jesus says, on the same night he was betrayed, he gave thanks. The same night that his 12 disciples were all together unified in Jesus becoming the Messiah. And then on that same night, one of them said, nope, I'm no longer part of the body. And it was broken. The same night that his inner circle was broken was the same night he gave thanks. And he took bread and he said, this is my body which is broken for you. So this idea of giving thanks in all circumstances at all times, it's important. Because I'm telling you, I've done it. I've been at this church. I've been at other places where I can recognize all the bad things. But if I learn to give thanks, I learn to thank God, not just for who he is, but I begin to thank God for people, people that have offended me. And I just thank God for them. And I thank God for them. It creates health in that relationship. But there's also something very important. The most important thing I want to talk about communion is Jesus says, my body is broken, so I want you to take and eat and remember this broken body so that you never have to be broken again. Jesus' physical body on the cross was broken, right? He was whipped. All those things happened to him while he was on the cross. Broken fellowship with the Father. Sin was put on him and he was separated from the Father. Brokenness was just all of the, it says all of his disciples fled. It wasn't just Judas who betrayed him. They all fled and left him. In fact, Jesus, he quotes it on the night he's betrayed. He says, oh man, they're all getting excited about Jesus during this last supper and they're like getting excited. He says, oh, well, hold on. There's actually a verse in Zechariah that says that if you strike the shepherd, all the sheep will scatter. And this is about to happen. And Peter's like, not me. I won't, I won't leave you. Jesus, I'll never leave you. Peter denies him three times that same night, right? Something about Jesus experiencing rejection, betrayal, separation from the Father, it wasn't just his physical body that was broken. Spiritually, he was broken. Emotionally, he was broken. In every way, he was being broken. And he says, take this bread and do it often and do it in remembrance of me so that you know you never have to be broken. He became sin who knew no sin that we might become the righteousness of God. 
My sin caused Jesus to have broken fellowship with the Father. I never have to live in that brokenness ever again because of what Jesus did on the cross. There's nothing that can separate me from the love of God. I have to know that and know that I am not broken. It says, by his stripes, I am healed. I believe that's spiritual. I also believe it's for everything, emotional, mental, physical, everything. I don't have to be broken in any way. So sickness was in my house this last week. People taking medicine, sickness. I had to just keep saying, okay, God, your word says I'm experiencing physical brokenness, but I believe by your stripes, I am healed. I've experienced emotional pain in relationship, but I'm going to say, no, I will not be divided. I will be one. There's something about it where I'm saying, what we're about to do to communion, we are declaring that we are one. It doesn't matter if we agree on everything in life. That doesn't matter. What matters is I'm affectionate for Jesus. As I take communion, you're affectionate for Jesus. And we learn how to share our affection for Jesus together, and it unites us. It causes us to be joined together perfectly or mature. That I need you. That I need to receive service from you. And I need to lay down my life and serve you. It's both together. Hmm. So just a second. We'll have the communion elements up here, and I'm going to have you come and grab your own elements. Instead of being passed out, I'm going to have you get up out of your seat, grab the elements, and what you're going to do is find someone probably you're not sitting next to, someone that's not in your same household. Find someone else. I'm okay if it ends up being like a group of three or four, but the idea is that you're serving one person. So you figure out, I'll let, can I say it this way before I give lots of details? I trust you. I trust the Holy Spirit in you to do what you're supposed to do during this communion time. Can I say some more things? I said I grew up as an introvert, so there's still parts of me. I'm just being 100% honest with you. It's actually easier for me sometimes to be up here publicly talking than it is to be one-on-one talking to somebody and actually be real and transparent, just being honest with you. I I hold guards up when I'm being one-on-one with somebody. Can I ask you, you don't have to be completely vulnerable, but can you think of the other person more than you think about yourself? (laughs) Because I'm saying as an introvert, I know how it goes. When I'm being in communion and I might be new to the Lord or I might not know what to say, I'm thinking about, oh, but I don't know what to say. I don't know how to bless them. What are they going to think of me? And it's all about me. I'm saying, I don't want it to be about me. I want to figure out how to give communion and lead someone. And I just say a a 10-second prayer, that's fine. Length has nothing to do with it. It's the heart that you truly want to serve someone else in communion. And so I'm just giving you this example. You're going to lead someone else in communion. You can read that same passage, 1 Corinthians 13, 13, no, 11. Um, Whatever you remember about Jesus, and just pray a blessing over that other person. As you take, don't eat yourself. You're just serving them. You're praying over them, and they're going to take the elements. And then you're going to allow them to pray over you, and you're going to receive your elements. Is that making sense? So take turns. Don't eat together. You're eating together, but not at the same time. Does that make sense? (laughs) But what I'm praying and believing for is we're going to put some music on the background. I've never done communion this way before. But I'm believing God wants to do something where he joins us together. As we opened up worship, we bridged the aisles, we held hands as we prayed to open up the service. I believe as we close service, God just wants to join us together, maybe with someone else in the room. All right, one more. I got lots of things in here. 
One more thing before we jump into actually doing communion. I feel like this is for everybody in the room, but it is very specific to somebody in the room. You need to invite someone else in the room to lunch. Go pay for their lunch. Go take them out to eat, take them to your house. I don't know. You're supposed to spend time outside the sanctuary with someone else in the room. So just let that sit there. Someone, it might be for everyone in the room. Everyone's supposed to take everyone out to lunch. Don't be offended if you ask somebody and they already got asked and they have to go to somebody else, right? Don't be easily offended. Just want to serve and to bless someone else. Is that making sense? All right, so back to communion. I'm going to take one more minute. I'm sorry. In that same passage, I'm not going to bring it up. In that same passage of 1 Corinthians 11, it keeps going and we stopped. But if you keep reading, it says that some of you are sick. It says this. And if you write before, it says, because you didn't discern the Lord's body. I know I can read that because you didn't see that there's sin in your life. You're being gluttonous. There's this whole thing that I understand, Paul. I know the whole context. I know I read it. I know it all. But I want to hone in on something really quick. It has this phrase, because you didn't discern the body of Christ. Can I connect it to we are the body of Christ? That sometimes the body of Christ is not full of health because we're not discerning what's going on in someone else's life. Because we're so self-absorbed, we come to church and we play the game and we leave. And there was people sitting right in front of us that needed a word from God. And it wasn't supposed to come from the pastor. It was supposed to come from a brother or sister. And we were so self-indulged, so fat, that we didn't have eyes to see or discern. There's people right in front of us that needed a hug, that needed just a blessing, that needed maybe... You just open up your wallet and just give them 20 bucks. It doesn't have to be anything profound. Just something that you're, you're thinking about other people in the room. And he says, because you aren't discerning the body of Christ, you aren't healthy. And I'm saying, this isn't an accusation. I know I'm saying, this is for all of us. This is for me. Sometimes I'm all about just giving this sermon and I miss the one. I need to be like Jesus, leave the 99 and go after the one. God is calling us to figure out how to discern the body of Christ. Really quick. And if you're the one that you're saying, yeah, that's me. I need the encouragement. I need someone else to give me the word. Can I just be like Jesus in the storm and say, oh, ye little faith. Yeah, you might need a word, but actually it's more blessed to give than receive. In the midst of your hurt and your pain and your lack if you just learn to give, oh my goodness, God will open up the windows of heaven and pour out such blessing on you, you won't be able to contain it. It's not about someone else not giving you what you need. It's about you not giving what you're supposed to give away. Can I say that <laughs> in a nice way? We gotta get over ourselves. So I'm gonna say a prayer. If you have no idea what you're supposed to do, I'll make myself available. Pastor, what am I supposed to say? I don't know, I didn't give clear instructions. Just lead communion. Bless someone. Talk about how you love Jesus and I see Jesus in you. I don't know how else to make it any more simple than that. There's no right words to say. Find someone else in the room and lead them in communion. Does that make enough sense?
So I'm gonna pray. I'm gonna bring the elements. Free to come get the elements and then go and spend the next less than 10 minutes being in communion with each other. Is it making sense? Any nods? Yes? Okay. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you know how to weave all these things together. I feel like a hot mess up here. I just said lots of things. But Holy Spirit, would you cause them to work together for good, for the building up of the body of Christ? Holy Spirit, would you use me to build up at least someone else in the room, that they would be edified, they'd be encouraged, they would have courage put inside of them, they would feel the love of Jesus pouring into them. God, that whatever I've drawn from my own root system, God, that I'm planted by the rivers of living water, that I'm meditating on your word. So Holy Spirit, would you cause scripture to come up in my heart? Would you cause what you speak to me, Lord God, how you love on me, God, would it come up in me and out of me and bless someone else to nourish them, to cause fruit to come onto their life, God, that their leave would not wither, that whatever they do would prosper. So Holy Spirit, we ask for your anointing and your blessing over this moment. Would you bind us together? Would you knit us together? Would you cause us to be perfectly joined together, framed together, made complete? Do what you can only do in a supernatural way, God. Go deep and we'll give you all the praise. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Come get some elements, lead someone in communion.